are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. And I think I'm all here today, Paul. Are you? I think so. And who are you? I am Michael Sterling. And I am Paul Strolley, and I am delighted to be here with you, Michael. Well, words words cannot express <laughs> really? how elated I am. Delighted well, is too small a word is it? to explain how, well, how, how ecstatic kind of you I am at Christmas to, to be. be in your company. And might I say that you are as dashing as always. That's a phenomenal shirt. I you love like that? that shirt. I love well, combinations you. of black and gray. Yeah, because they when I wear black and gray, they have a very shadow. This sort of a shadowing effect on my my proboscal endowment. And, oh, what, you know, be careful about what we're I talking have, about uh, now. Yes, what are we talking sort of about? a shadowy thing, oh, distracting. Okay. People don't realize when I, you know, because I look up and it's the two car garage. You know, so we have to. <laughs> but you are wearing that. black and gray. Today. I am, and I try whatever whatever I can. It matches well, his well, beautiful hair. Actually. The hair is yeah. the, the <laughs> shirt's black. The hair is gray. But there it's still go. there, so what can you say? Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> well, oh, one fine. thing I know I can say, Paul, What's is that? this. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit them at BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to our weekly live arts calendar. Indeed, and and joining us, Paul, as as you know, in studio today, a beautiful woman sitting to my left. She co-starred for five seasons as Lindsay Peterson in the North American version of the smash hit Showtime television series Queer as Folk. And she is a consummate actress in theater and film. Say hello to the gorgeous Taya Gill. Hello. Michael, that was very lovely. <laughs> Welcome. Absolutely. Welcome. Good to have you. We're going to be talking to Taya in just a little bit. Oh, also joining us. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What please. were you going to say? No, no, no. You Nothing. sure? Yes. Okay, go. You sure? Yes. All right, go. I'll just continue that. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us in the studio, he not only created the role of Paul San Marco in the original 1975 Broadway production of A Chorus Line, but his emotionally charged portrayal of the show's young, gay, troubled high school dropout earned him a Tony Award as Best Featured Actor in a Musical. Meet... Sammy Williams. Hello. Oh, wow. Very cool. Where are you hiding all those people? <laughs> in the lobby. In the lobby. <laughs> They're yeah. just very well trained. I see. Yes. Good to have both of you. Very, Thank very you. excited. Absolutely. Thank you for dropping by on Wonderful Monday. To be here. We know yeah. what a precious day that off is. That is in theater to have a day off. That's right. Paul, how was your week? I was just going to ask you. No, I, you go ahead. Well, you know, it was good. I, I had kind of an emotional moment uh, today. I was uh, working on, on the production of the show today, and I somebody sent me a little note from through Facebook, and they it was kind of an emotional note. They said, take a look at this video. And it had on the screen, which was a, a you know the video screen in the message, it had the face of a beagle. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I saw the same thing. Did you see it? I saw the same thing. Have you seen this video? Go ahead, Michael. Well, it's yeah. of a uh, rescue uh, group that rescued nine beagles oh. from 
a laboratory where they have yeah. been... Yeah, they were in a lab. Yeah. In a lab oh, for my. two years, in cages, yeah. individual cages. For two years, they had never seen the light of day. They had never smelled grass. They had never been outside at all, period, for any reason. And were, of course, all injected and scarred up and so forth on the underside. And this re- uh, organization went in and rescued and I'm sorry that I don't remember the name of the organization, but they rescued those nine beagles Bravo right. and got them out. And on the way from the laboratory to where they were, you know, go- going to take them, you know, for a better life, they stopped and let them get out of their cages for the first time ever. And the emotional, yeah. mm. you know, no, I know it is. It it is really powerful. To that moment on yeah. the screen when these dogs are, you can tell by the look in their eyes that they, they don't even know what the grass is. They don't know what the sunlight is. They don't yeah. know what any of it is. They've never been outside. They've never felt grass. And they open the cages. And it's it's truly the most poignant frame because the, the first dog, when they open it, they have the frame, the, the camera on the dog's face. And you you everything is registered in the eyes. And it's just like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't know where to go. There's fear. There's apprehension. All of that, yeah. And then it, what's interesting, too, is that as one goes out, then the others feel like it's okay, too, because they see the other ones risking it. But they're, they're literally... They're still tentative, though. They're walking on grass as though it's coals, because they mm-hmm. it's totally foreign to them. Yeah, I saw that same video. Yeah, I'm surprised. I was just blown yeah. away by... And you have a beagle, because right? Because I have... My boy is 12 years old. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Kobe. Yeah. And he is... He's, you know, like the sweetest thing in, in, you know, we all feel that way about our pets, I'm sure. But, you know, he's very special. And I was thinking today about after I saw the video and I was looking at him and I was talking to him. You know, dogs, that's how they express themselves is through their eyes. You can oh. really, I mean, they always say it's a window to our souls. But mm-hmm. really with an animal, oh. I mean, they really, everything just reads through their eyes. Absolutely. Yeah. What else do you have? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. you have you have one that they're expressing anger or you know, yeah, or they, you know, they have those cute little RCA yeah. moves that they <laughs> yeah. do, you know, like that. But his master's yeah, voice. Yeah, I was just blown away. So I, I put it on my Facebook page, and then that started registering a lot of people looking at it, which I thought was terrific. That you know, people should look at these things. And, I find um, it interesting that they did not reveal who the uh, who the uh, company, the, what the the company was that was actually, I didn't know, in all honesty, I didn't know we still tested on dogs in this country. I didn't I know that. I think there would still. be a lot of angry people. Oh, sure. Well, I'm sure Peter, Peter would know about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a Cocker Spaniel, and she, her eyes always, always, yeah. you can see it in her face. Yeah. She registers. You can see everything. I know. It's just, it's unconditional. Well, they are, yeah, registers. they are a very special you know, breed of, I like to call them people because I think that way about my dog. Yeah. I think everyone who has a dog feels that way. And this, it's, it's it's always difficult if you, if you've been a pet owner, is everyone here a pet owner? Yes. Cats. Cats? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a new kitty. Do you? Okay. Yes. She's a tabby. Oh yeah? Yeah. So you have a dog and a cat? Uh, yes. Wow. Actually three dogs. Wow. Three cats. You've got a big oh, family there, pal. Big family. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's I've called. That's, that's a wrestling. new film, isn't it? We bought a zoo. Is that the name <laughs> of the new, the new feature? I am the zoo. <laughs> you are the zoo. Uh, no, but the, you can't. You can't explain the the pet bond. To, I mean, uh, my wife, love her dearly, never had pets growing up. Never had pets at all. Uh, but her actually, that's not true. She does. She does understand the bond because 
her cousins had a dog named Champ, and she saw the bond there. But you know, like when, especially when a pet passes away or something, right. people who don't have pets think you're overreacting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's just a cat. It's just a dog. It's like a family member is a family member. It's just a different type of bond, you right. know. Because you know, there are. <laughs> I had two cats, two Siamese cats, and uh, there are family members I am not as close to as I was with those I'm cats. I'm sure. You know, yeah. but I think everyone could say that. You know, she had a bond. Yeah. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. They're very special. Very, I can't imagine not having them in my life. And, you know, yeah. their mind are getting old. I also, we also have a Siberian Husky. Yeah. She's gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. And she's, they're both the same age. They're both 11. Wow. So uh, where were they taking the animals? They were take. I don't know what the ultimate destination was, but they were all to be adopted. Oh, and, and the, then there was a, a role at the end. There's a follow-up of them in the home. Right. Still photos of the fam- with the families that adopted them. How yeah. old are oh. they? They were only two. They were two. all two oh, years wow. old. Right. They were all only two. But they were two, yeah. but they never, you know, two years in a cage. It's got to be like. Did they say you know, how they found them? No, they no. didn't. No, no, they didn't. Be interesting to do follow-up on that. Okay. Wow. Michael, jump on that. Would you get some I follow-up? Come back with that. <laughs> I'm really glad I. <laughs> I'm, What's it? I'm really glad they were saved. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll send you. I'll send you the link. Send please the link. do. Take mm-hmm. a look at it. Okay. Yes, shall we? Yes, we shall. Yeah. Would you? Uh, oh, shall I? Yes. Okay. As Michael said earlier, our first guest co-starred on the landmark Showtime television series Queer as Folk with good friend of State of the Arts, uh, Scott Lowell, who's been Scott. on the show a couple yeah. of times. We love Scott. Funniest guy walking and one of the sweetest men in the world. And our guest will soon be seen in the upcoming TV drama Her Mother's Secret, the Hallmark Channel movie Lies Between Friends. No stranger to the theater stage, she successfully tackled Chekhov's Uncle Vanya, Shakespeare's Othello, and Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire. If only you could do some classics. That'd be good. <laughs> right, right. theater here. She's also an accomplished singer who will headline Sterling's Upstairs at Vitello's in Studio City on Sunday, December 11th. Please welcome Miss Taya Gill. Yay. Is here today. Let's give her applause. Again. <laughs> yeah. Can't work all these buttons, Sterling. Can't do it. All this stuff. Yeah, all this group. Hope we can get that com- on Sunday. Stuff. Yes, I'm sure we will. I don't think you'll have so to So now this Sterling's it. upstairs at Vitello's. Tell me about it. What is this place? It's this place, Paul. It's in the, the Tahunga village. A very pretty place. Now, it's uh, my nightclub. You know you've been there. You've hit like there for God's sake. Of course I know. Yes. Enjoy uh, sweet Supper Club, number one club in town, I like to say. I'm going to knock on wood, but we can't gesticulate. Uh, and Taya, <laughs> You'll go blind. first time performing at the club. Yes, I'm and really, really, really excited. We are so thrilled to have you. Thank you. And, you know, she's a wonderful singer. Is this a, is this an act you've done before? Is it, a new, is, it, is it new? Is it modified? I'm always curious how people who do cabaret type things arrive at their content. I always ask people that. How did you arrive at the content for this show? Well, it's really um, uh, an amalgamation of, of many years of, of, of trying different songs and different venues and, uh, and performing in different places. Uh, and uh, like uh, David Galligan, who's going to be dire- who is directing this cabaret piece with me, uh, has often uh, reminded me of, is that cabaret is a really uh, a lifelong endeavor. And so uh, it's an ever-changing process. And so for this event on, on Sunday, it, it's really focusing on the torch song and and, uh, and the idea of the film noir style within the Torch song and exploring uh, the emotional landscape of those songs uh, that the wonderful and brilliant singers of that era really made come alive. 
That's great. That's wonderful, but it's especially wonderful because it's Sterling's because that's a that's a torch room. I mean, the way what Michael's done to the room and the style of the room. Have you been there, Sammy? Yes, I have. Been? It's beautiful. And the, just that New York Supper Club feel, the the high back boots, all that stuff. It, it just you know, it, I'm I'm glad to hear if that's the sort of theme of it that that's where you're playing it because it's really conducive to that sort of style, don't you think? It is, and that's yeah. why I'm I'm so excited about it yeah. because uh, I think it's an unusual space and it's a very intimate space and it's a very uh, very magical space because of its. Uh, Size yeah. and and its uh, and its softness and its uh, inclusivity and its inclusiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it really is about uh, me and the song and the musicians yeah. and uh, and telling the story and finding the themes with those songs that I want to express on Sunday. Yeah. So has has David been? This is a collaboration, of course, with David. I'm sure, yes. musically speaking. So he's given you songs. He's searched for songs that he thinks are right for you. I know David very well, and yes. I, I admire his work greatly. Yes. And I know how detailed he is about everything. Yes. And, and, you know, he tells it like it is when he's working with somebody. You know, he really, you know, shares his thoughts with you, and, and if you're going in the right place, and if you're not going in the right place, and if you, why are you singing about that? How would you know about that? You've never done that before, or not. You yes, know. he certainly is. He's uh, an extremely exquisite director yes. and extremely insightful towards the performer and in, in incredibly intuitive. And, it, and he has been uh, working with me. He has suggested songs, uh, some really great songs mm -hmm. that I had never heard of before. And he's also allowed me to include some of my own that I've I felt were uh, appropriate for the, for the evening. And so he's been a, a true collaborator. Yeah, and uh, that's important too because you know it's a trust. You know, in oh, sure. it's such an intimate uh, experience, Cabaret. I, I think it's different than doing a play. You know, where you have a director. Of course, you need to trust your director's instincts, but this is really quite personal because it it does back up into your life and and the whys and wheres of your life and so forth. Well, it's the intimacy right. of a one-person show because you don't have scripted. I mean, more often than not, you don't have scripted banter in between. It might be it might be scripted eventually, but it's not coming from a scripted place. It's right. coming from you know sharing personal stories. I would think, right? So of course it would be more intimate than a. Um, how does a? That's an interesting point, though, Michael. How does a director comment and modify and and in effect direct when you're speaking from the heart. I mean, how do you tell someone to abbreviate a personal story? How do you? How, that's got to be a dance. Well, are you talking about the lyrics of the song? Or no, the like patter? like like the patter, yeah, yeah. the banter in between. I mean, that but that's got to be a very touchy subject. If uh, a performer could have something that is very poignant and personal to them, but maybe a little long-winded in terms of a piece of entertainment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've directed cabaret. How do you how do you dance around that? Well, yeah, I think you just you have to kind of find that medium in the middle that that uh, takes care of, of you know the introduction of the song for the reason that you're singing it in the first place and and I think you know it's important in cabaret in my opinion certainly and I think probably in David's as well you have to get the you have to let the audience in you know you have to yeah. let them know you yeah. so if you don't uh, really kind of set the stage so to speak for the song that you're singing and what you know the whys of it then you know you're you're leaving them out and you can't always count on the fact that everyone there is your friend either. I mean, you know, there, there'll be people in the audience that are coming to see you because you're a celebrity and you're, 
who are doing this show. So you can't exclude them by making it too inside. Right, you right, know what right. I'm saying? That's you can't right. be too yeah. personal. That's right. It all comes from the song and exactly. and like you that were saying before, question, yeah. the lyrics. And that is Absolutely. what David is so exquisite with, David Galligan, is he's really allowing me to investigate and explore the lyrics of these songs, of these truly great songs and make them personal to me. What are some of the songs? Just can you highlight a few of them that we might be... Uh yes, uh, I'll, I'll be doing a, a combination of Cole Porter, nice. uh, Gershwin, and of course Rogers and Hart. Um, David Galligan suggested uh, the song It's Alright With Me, which is a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. I'll be doing You Took Advantage of Me, a Rogers and Hart tune. Night and Day, a Cole Porter, another Cole Porter. Classic. Uh, an old uh, Ruth Edding standard called Could I, I Certainly Could. I'll also be singing My Man. I'll be also including a few more contemporary torch songs, such as On a Bus to St. Cloud and It Might Be You, the, 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 the theme song from Tootsie, <laughs> just <laughs> oh, for nice. a little bit of a, you know, a, a change. Uh, but they all have... Uh, they all have a similarity well. in terms of their um, uh, their stories mm -hmm. within well. the, the the songs themselves. So there's a there's a there's a, a thread. So there's a through line in the songs. Did you find that? Uh, I'm all, it's it, once again, and I hate to harp on it, but uh, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Do the uh, did you have sort of a banter narrative and then plug the songs in, or did you pick the songs and then? Uh, find uh, just saw how they connected in in singing them in sequence. It's just a they we really started with the songs okay. and uh, and and the women who made those songs famous like Ruth Edding and Libby Holman mm. uh, and uh, Lee Morris. You know all these wonderful singers from the 1920s 30s who also just you know unfortunately also had very unfortunate personal lives and so we researched these these ladies and we found the connections between their lives and my lives uh, although m my life fortunately has not been that un <laughs> uh, uh, sad or tragic as some of these uh, singers have but um, but they did trigger uh, stories that were personal to me and and they tapped into an emotional uh, core that um, allowed me to expand upon them and then through that came the the need to uh, explain and express through the patter and and through the and through the the telling of the songs and the telling of the story of the songs, um, what they meant to me. Okay. Uh, so that's what I'm really doing with this. Is I'm I'm taking the stories that I can relate to from these from these exquisite torch singers, and and trying to relate them to to something that I understand about myself, and putting them into the songs and and trying to elevate the evening with what I can express with that. I, I always find that, that process fascinating because it's so different from, you know, you do a play or you do a musical, there's usually a standard sequence that you follow. You learn your lines, you go, mm -hmm. you get blocked, you get choreographed, you do, you know, you later on you get costumes, the set gets put up. But the uh, the cabaret world is, is the result, um, you know, a, a cabaret evening it, regardless of the result, it's fascinating how different performers come at it from different ways. Like, I don't know, like, you know, when Dan Frischman was on, we, he and I were talking before he did it, and his process was completely different. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's it's really interesting to me the different ways uh, performers approach the evening. Right. And, and you and have to see it much more so because you see it every Sunday, you know, in terms of, I mean, not necessarily their 
their preparation. But right. Do you, do the you end see, result of it, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I get the, the picture of it. You know, no. when you see the show finally come in, where it's all coming from. Last night's uh, show was by three remarkable young women who, from Las Vegas. And, and what they brought in, were, what they're known for in Las Vegas, and when that kind of conjures up an image right there in mm-hmm. Las Vegas, it's not that Las Vegas. You know, it's another thing that they're very successful in doing, and that is these amazing harmonies that they can do together, as well as being, you know, big vocalists yeah. in their own right as individuals, which they certainly do in the show and throughout. And they, you, you kind of, it, you harken back to those days of, and I'll, I'll reference this, the Lennon sisters, if you mm-hmm. remember them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, those kind of girl groups back mm-hmm. in those days that had that ability to sing in perfect unison and in perfect harmonies and make it interesting. Wow. And that's what they did. They just blew the roof off of the place. Last really? Time. Yeah, it was mm. very exciting. It was fun. So, Body and Soul mm-hmm. is the name of... Who yes. came up with that title? Well, I'll be singing Body and Soul yeah. in the show. <laughs> Therefore. <laughs> Therefore. Um, but that's really what it means to me, is that these songs are... Um, they touch the body and, and they touch the soul. And um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, ex- I, I'm, I'm sort of uh, looking forward to the I- idea of an evening of, of also ballads, you know, where, mm-hmm. where there is that idea of, of bringing in an audience into my personal space mm-hmm. with the song and with the lyric and with the music. And I have a tremendous band. I have a, a beautiful piano player, uh, Natalie Cole's piano player, Gail Dietrich, and I'll also be having uh, Natalie Cole's drummer and uh, bass player. Oh, wow. uh, so I'm I'm very I'm very well supported. Natalie was just evening. in the club recently, actually. She was. I was there that night. Oh yeah, so was it the same <laughs> night? Okay, there you go. Was oh, was she, who, who was she seeing? Uh, Josh Nelson. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So Love Body her. and Soul, ladies and gentlemen, directed by David Galligan with musical direction by Gail Diedrich at Sterling's Upstairs at Vitello's, and that is, of course, located in Studio City, California, and the charming and trendy Tahunga Village. Uh, address is 4349 Tahunga Avenue, Studio City, and dinner seating for the show, Paul, you know this, is 530, at 530 yes. to 6, uh, and the 7 p.m. showtime. Reservations only, folks. 818-754-8700. Very important thing to point out for that is that valet parking is readily available. Yes, Big it is. factor here in the City of Angels. So you have the uh, The nominal right charge, there. I might add. Nominal. Yeah. Yes, very nominal. $3.75. Yeah. <laughs> That's not it. Yeah. I mean, usually it's 15 It's you're getting up to 22 25 30 bucks downtown. And a lot LA. of people don't know that I park the cars there, and I'm very safe. <laughs> just so you know. I stand, Michael and I do everything together. <laughs> no pings in my car. No, no. no stay on top no, of it. We'll stay on top of it. All right. But, so, um, Paul, we have an arts calendar, I think, that we need to uh, yes, address. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Shall I kick it Please off? Please do. I will. The return of the Slap and Tickle Holiday Show will be presented at Hollywood's Lillian Theater December 14th and 15th, featuring 28 diverse performers. Many members of the comedy troupe have gone on to become TV and film writers for Saturday Night Live and Funny Men Adam Sandler, Jimmy Fallon. The Slap and Tickle Holiday Show is a mashup of various sketch paradigms from the absurd to the sophisticated to over-the-top to musical to romantic and, yes, even the X-rated. Anything for a laugh and all for 10 bucks, which includes drinks and snacks. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Don't miss the Slap and Tickle Holiday Show December 14th and 15th at the Lillian Theater in Hollywood. For reservations, call 818 782 
818-782-5683. That's 818-782-5683. And I should say the lovely Lynn Friedman is in this. Oh, and nice. I did a show with her last year called um, Playing Jordan Goldman. And I she am is, well acquainted with that experience. Yes, 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 you are. And she is a lovely, phenomenal actress, a lovely person, and uh, not entirely unpleasant to look at, I should add. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Just I a doll, remember. just a doll. Sweetheart, very, very talented and very excited to see her doing the show. And before I read the second uh, highlight in our arts calendar, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Strolley himself was appearing in a show for the last three nights yes, this weekend. Yes, yes. Sister um, Bernie's Bingo Sister Bash. Sister Bernie's Bingo Bash at the uh, Greenway Court Theater that is hosting uh, I Love Lucy Live currently, which is the biggest hit in the in world town, right yeah. now. And um, we did it as a late night offering there, and it was a bit, just a whole lot of fun. Why just, uh, can't I envision you as a priest? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, if it makes if if, if it's any easier, if it's any easier. I play. I played Father Rocco Charles Martini, who is the priest who wanted to be a game show host. Oh, wow! <laughs> a, there you matter go. of fact, the jacket that I wear in the show, she says, "Want to take off the gaudy jacket? That's the sin of pride. You can't wear the gaudy jacket." And I say, "No, it's okay because the jacket was first place in the sack race at, at Wink Martindale Fantasy Camp." <laughs> so it just gives you an idea. We're jumping off the edge. It's a very, very fun show. It's 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 interactive, and it's uh, you know, the audience comes. They, everyone gets a bingo card, and it's a, the spoof of Catholic fundraisers, and you sit in the audience and you actually play bingo while the world's most evil nun berates you for not oh, playing really? bingo properly. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's quite a trip. It's quite a trip. So well, just, I'm was sorry was, that I wasn't able to get there, Paul. Forgive me. But well, it was 10:30. Uh, it's 10:30 start. 1030. Yeah, 10:30 start, and you're uh, you got the big. Fluffy slippers on by then, yeah. don't you? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> a Broadway Hollywood Christmas kicks the holiday season up a notch on Wednesday, December 7th at the Gardenia Restaurant in Hollywood. Based on Critcherland record albums, the show features a combination of Christmas classics and lesser-known tunes, all written for Broadway and Hollywood musicals and films by Irving Berlin, Julie Stein, Comden and Green, Jerry Herman, Leslie Brickus, Frank Lesser, Cy Coleman, and many others. The cast of six Broadway veterans also features the lovely Eileen Graff, who is a friend of mine and also a friend of State of the Arts. Yes. And from Mr. Mr. Belvedere, she was From on, Mr. Right? Yeah. Belvedere. Yeah. And she will be in a reunion that night with two other members of the original Broadway production, Promises, Promises of 40 Years Ago, in which wow. these three women were the singers in the pit. Wow. That was her first Broadway show. So that's going to be kind of a cool reunion, I think. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, the Gardenia Restaurant this Wednesday, December seventh, a Broadway holiday. Excuse me, a Broadway Hollywood Christmas. Christianland Records. It is uh, reservations only. Three two three four six seven seventy four forty four. And for further information about any productions and or events mentioned in today's State of the Arts live calendar, visit us at stateoftheartsla.com. That's stateoftheartsla.com. And we also suggest you drop in at performingartslive.com, where you can search for Southern California events in several different categories happening every day of the week. Absolutely. Now, we're going to move on to the second move half on. hour here. But we'll certainly keep the um, lovely Taya is going to yes, be with us and, and hanging out. In, it was in 1973 that our next guest, a dancer on Broadway in numerous shows, got his big break while dancing in the Broadway production of Cy Coleman's Seesaw. He received an invitation from the show's choreographer-director, Michael Bennett, to join a hand-picked group of established New York dancers who would participate in a filmed marathon session to candidly discuss the trials and tribulations of life in professional theater. 
What he didn't realize at the time was that Bennett planned to adapt the material into the show that eventually became known as a chorus line. Please welcome Broadway legend and Tony Award winner, Mr. Sammy Williams. Why, I think, can I bring that group of people home with me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now this, this thing, a chorus line, what's that exactly? Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why it's called a chorus line was because Michael wanted it to be the first show listed. In the ABC directory? Uh, That's correct. Yeah. And so um, they put A in front of chorus line. Smart. Yes, very smart. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. Not well, it was much better didn't. than the first title, Aardvark Chorus Line, <laughs> which was more of a guarantee that it would be there, but it was a little... <laughs> Not that people didn't know who we were, but um, yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. So that life-changing experience for you. Life-changing. Certainly. A boy from Trenton, New Jersey. 25 years old. Babe in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I was a dancer in the chorus and became an overnight sensation. Literally, oh. mm-hmm. um, and wow. it was fast. Yeah. Fast, intense, and um, challenging. Extraordinary, um, marvelous. I have wonderful, wonderful memories. How and, long was uh, the actual process, Sammy? From the time that you, from the first time you walked into the room where all of these other uh, dancers were, and sat down and went through these these sessions. Uh, the uh, the night of the tape session on which Chorus Line is based was 11 and a half hours started at midnight. It's finished the next morning at 11.30. Wow. Um, after that, there it was maybe about six months. Um, they had taken the tape um, uh, of the uh, eat that particular evening and they put it in paper form. Mm-hmm. So they had sort of like a 400-page script. And um, then there was the first workshop, which lasted six weeks. Um, that was um, finding a dance style. We had about a month, two months off, and then we went back and there was another six-week um, uh, workshop where they started putting the show together and um, developing the characters and writing the music as they were going along. Mm. And, um, and then we had uh, some time off, and then after that it was putting the show together proper, the finishing touches of the show, as you would see in um, the Broadway stage. Does that tape exist still? I mean, the tape of those original uh, interviews, do you happen to know? The tape does exist. It would be a fascinating um, thing to see, wouldn't it? uh, They were trying to... They were trying to um, um, actually uh, air it and... um, um, Just as the core of a documentary about chorus. We all line. said no, 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 no. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> you won't do that. <laughs> I would um, imagine, yeah, that's no. pretty personal and it was intense. Very personal. Yeah. Yes. Um, what you're seeing on the stage is just a suggestion of, of you know, probably all of the distillation things. But you know. uh, some of the stories are um, fiction. Some of the stories are true to fact, and uh, some stories are combined. Several different people's stories were combined into one character. Um, my original story, or one of the stories that I told the evening of the tape session, <laughs> uh, one of the e- uh, the stories I told the evening of tape session was uh, eventually turned into I Can Do That. Okay. I'm watching Cisco. Yeah. That was my sister. She was not fat. I will say that on the air. 
She'll kill you. We'll make a sound bite of that that you can send her. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. Oh, but um, um, she never believed me. <laughs> um, and uh, um, the story that I told, the character that I played, Paul San Marco, is based on Paul, uh, um, Nicholas Dante. and um, uh, Who wrote the... He was one of the co-authors right, of Chorus Line. wrote the book. Correct, yeah. yes. Incredible story. And he actually told that story the night of the tape session. And uh, it was a killer. Um, we were all engrossed, and there were many tears afterward. And, oh, and sure. uh, it was quite an evening. And that story was amazing. Now, I, I, we all obviously know what happened uh, with Chorus Line, and it, it's, it's the greatest show ever. But was that the initial reaction to it like did it just right out of the gate was it just a huge hit from the word go did it require a little time i mean i'm i'm i don't know the history that that well and if it was the case if it just exploded like that how does it how does a person of 25 cope with that um well to answer your first question we were an overnight success from the it was very, immediate yeah. from the very first performance yeah. i think people were blown away, um, audience members were blown away because they had never seen anything like that. Right. Um, the stories were so true to life that it touched, not only did it touch um, members of the performing community, dancers, singers, actors, but it also went into other careers, right. Um, right. other venues, and um, people were just, they just related to it. They related to the characters, the stories that were being told. People just felt uh, for those people. Um, and as a 25-year-old, how did I deal with it? One day at a time. <laughs> well, you had only, you were 19 when you got to New York, right? I was eight. I was 18. 18, 19. Yes. So you had six years of experience 18. in dancing and. Yes. You know, even today, that's that that's difficult to accomplish. Not with. that amount of. Um, success, however. I mean, I was a dancer in the chorus. Um, I had wonderful roles that I created on Broadway, dancing roles, um, uh, solos with Lauren Bacall and uh, Lucy Arnaz. And um, so I had that experience, but I never had the amount of success that Chorus Line right. brought to my career. Right. But As I mean, an actor, I'd never acted before. That was my first acting job. Well, and what a, uh, you know, there's a, a clip of him uh, doing it. I think somebody was sitting in the theater, perhaps, taping yes, it. Yes, uh, they filmed YouTube. it, evidently, yeah. And wow, wow, that's that was some speech. I remember that, of course, because I saw you in it in New York. Mm -hmm. Myself and Lola Falana oh, Lola. were on tour yeah. going through New York doing something Oh, I together. thought you were with Lola Falana. You said you, myself, and oh, Lola Falana. I thought you were at, at Chorus Line with Lola Falana. I was. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, she and I were uh, touring the country. She was uh, representing Fabergé uh, Tigris Perfume. It was a big uh, marketing campaign. And we pulled into New York, and somebody called me and said, hey, I have two tickets for you and Lola for a chorus line tonight. Can you make it? It was like 5 o'clock when we rolled in. I said, I so will be there, yeah. and so will she. So You could not, at the Newman Theater, uh, we opened downtown at the Newman Theater, New York Shakespeare Festival. You could not get a seat. Um, yeah. It was a 200-seat house, and they literally had people sitting on the stairway 
going because there was a big slope going down to the theater and people were sitting all up and down the stairs. And Chorus Line opened in a 200-seat house downtown? With yep. the yes, Joseph Papp Public Theater, right? Yes, yeah. correct, yeah. And then how long was it there before it went to Broadway? Um, I think we were there... I imagine pretty damn quick after a response like that. Um, we were there uh, one or two months, okay. and then we had about a month off where they transferred the show from the Newman Theater to the Schubert Theater. Did everyone from the original production go to the Broadway production? Or for the most part, did they? Or From... Um, from the your, the Joseph Papp from the Newman Theater yeah, production, yeah. yes. Okay. Everyone did go. Yeah. Not yeah. everyone who was in the original workshop stayed with the show. There were a couple of people that decided to leave to go do Chicago with Bob Fosse. Wow. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at it this way. At wow. least it was at least it was Chicago with Bob Fosse, and it wasn't Nick and Nora or right. something like that. Although Chicago know? is still going, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that you weren't uh, an actor. You hadn't done any acting before that. And I feel that part of the appeal of Chorus Line and why it's been so collectively embraced is that you don't get the impression, when it's done properly, you don't get the impression that any of those people are actors. And I think that's the rawness and the vulnerability that mm -hmm. people embraced about it. <clears throat> I agree. It's just so truthful. And I think a lack of you know, performance, you know, acting, not, not not performance skills, but a lack of acting experience, almost, I mean, I, I would imagine that was probably the case for a lot of those initial people. They were primarily hoofers. They probably hadn't done a lot of stage acting. And that that softness and that, you know, not uh, lack of, not lack of assurance as a performer, but lack of assurance to just stand on a stage and talk about yourself that's a vulnerable thing you it know was, it was we were um i was going to say it was the vulnerability mm -hmm. of the characters um all of us were dancers in the chorus um there were a couple like kelly bishop and uh, ron coolman uh, bobby lapone who played zach who were starting to explore areas into the acting uh field um, but pretty much all of us were just dancers in the chorus. Um, and Michael, when you dance, you act. Oh. You just don't get out there and do steps. You, it really comes from your inner self. And if you're really a dancer and you're really into the material, then you are acting as you are dancing. So Michael saw that. He had the ability to see beyond just the dance steps right. and turned us into actors and um, um, but that's a good point though you already are you're just acting with steps and physicality correct. not with words correct yeah. correct but it's it's very you know for some dancers though <clears throat> excuse me who technically are good dancers they're not necessarily the greatest dancers because they're lacking that emotion you know what I mean that's and right and it's the same with singing mm -hmm. right and especially in, and, and Sammy's a singer as well of course and has a, a show of his own uh, and it's you buy it based on you know that it's coming from within like that and Correct. as you say the dancing I remember of course your performance and then of course Donna McKechnie's who I was foolhardy in love with this woman you know at the end of the evening for that one number I just I remember my when they say your mouth drops open yeah. that's how I was I was frozen by that performance that she gave that night 
I had to follow her. Oh, well. <laughs> and you did it very well. It was, I, you won a Tony Award. I don't think you have too much I, to worry about. Well, I would stand in the <laughs> you wings. You both won a Tony prepare, Award. Yeah, yeah. I would stand in the wings preparing to go on, and often Donna would get a standing ovation. And um, Music in the Mirror was her. Yeah. Music yeah. in the Mirror, yeah. and I would have to follow her. Now, mind you, I was intermission. <laughs> My <laughs> part came where they would have intermission, and Donna had music, she had mirrors, she had lights, she had orchestra, she had um, a lovely song to sing and dance steps to dance. I had words. <laughs> but what powerful words that yeah, But that's just very words. compelling. And you know, yes. where did I see this other clip of you and and several boys dressed exactly like you behind you. Was that the from event the from the event? It was uh, uh, there was an event in New York where Chorus Line became the longest running Broadway show. OK. And Michael invited anyone who had ever done Chorus Line to do the show. And so there were six Cassies, of course, not all the Cassies, but there were six Cassies, six Pauls, you know, 12 um, Sheila's and um, it was fabulously directed. Michael did a wonderful, wonderful job doing that. Yeah, what a great idea. But, yeah, isn't um, it? Yeah. 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 Um, that was an extraordinary evening also. A lot yeah. of firsts with Chorus Line for me. A lot of yeah. firsts. Well, I had the pleasure of, of bringing Sam to the studio today because he lives by my home, and I gave him a little gift that uh, an actor who he recently saw in a play, 1776. Oh, okay. My uh, favorite musical at the Glendale Center Theater, uh, had given to me to give to him, and it, that finally happened today. So what was that? It was and you were a, taken it, aback, and I was—I uh, thought, I thought, oh, well, this is probably something he's seen a thousand times. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It was a napkin from a chorus line, July uh, 7th, 1976. Oh, and, wow. uh, the evening of the Tony Awards. Evening of the Tony Awards. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it was not just one napkin, it's a little stack. Oh. little stack. Oh, is it? Yeah, I only you got saw a few the of one. them. Oh, my God, yeah, I only saw the one. So. And there's a picture of the chorus line up above it with the line underneath. Uh, really, I was oh. really awestruck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Sweet. Huh? Get, that, get that professionally mounted. Thank you, George Champion. Yeah. Uh, I have to uh, make a comment about... Um, um, acting and chorus line um, and I have to step out of the line or step out of of this um, in my opinion um, no one has ever captured what the original cast had in the production anyone who did the show after although they might be wonderfully talented and, and they would do a fabulous job they were actors playing parts. We were the people who were those people. And there was a very, very different line between their performances and our performances. And I can always see the difference. Well, you know, it's almost like if you see a, a show, I mean, really, it's very similar to if someone does a show that they've written or an autobiographical show that is about their, their life. You can take that property, and other people can do it, but it will never be what it is when the person that created or the collective group that created it basically lives it for you. Exactly. And I think the way to sort of view that is rather than view them as 
subsequent versions, I view all the subsequent versions as tributes mm-hmm. to the first one. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's a way to honor that first thing. Because you know, those, those people who shared their lives, they're, they're as responsible for the content of Chorus Line as the director or the producer. I mean, they, they gave the fodder. They, they, they presented the clay. How the clay was molded, right. you know, is what, you know, made it the hit that it was. But you need the clay to start with. Michael you know? used to say, Michael used to tell us, I don't want you to be actors. Mm-hmm. I want you to be people. I want you to tell the mm-hmm. stories. I just want you to tell the stories. Well, speaking of people mm-hmm. and vulnerability on stage. Yes. yes. That brings uh, us to our We want to baptismal. ask you both to uh, baptize you like we do. We have five minutes left in the show. Dominoes and biscuits. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sammy, you start, because I think you had one at the ready about a, a sort of a disastrous thing that could happen. Or have you thought of one yet? I, you know, I've been so good about things that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing... Or I lucky. Can, Maybe it's <laughs> lucky. <laughs> I mean, I, I have had, on, a, on Her Mother's Secret, I got so sick one day that I had to, you know still do the day and I was just like you know basically throwing up on the road and then you know had to go up for my close-up so I would say that's probably the most recent that's embarrassing right. experience I've had on set yeah I know it happens to a lot of people but it didn't happen to me before and so it was pretty no, five years on Curious yeah. Folk with those zany cast members and nothing odd unusual you happened? know it was it was a pretty serious set on some levels yeah. you know yeah. I mean for me I mean uh, I know Scott was always a big joker I mean <laughs> You know, and he always would crack crack us up. But uh, you know, I, I I can't really think of anything that you know was. I was a really good girl. You know, I never. If you look at all the DVDs and the blooper reels, you never see me doing any bloopers. Wow. Because I, I never messed up. I mean, I very rarely messed up. So I'm being Real totally technician. honest Real about technician. that. No, 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 hey, you know. I was a such. You know, I was I was really disciplined. So yeah. I don't really have anything at the tip of my tongue other than you know just getting really sick that day. <laughs> All right, you'll have to make up for Sammy, yeah. because I know you got you got a catalog of them. Got a whopper. <laughs> Please do. Um, I was asked to do uh, a European production of Chorus Line, and um, one of the uh, cities, uh, actually our opening night was in Nerve, Italy. Uh, in Italy, they don't, especially in the smaller communities, they don't speak a lot of English, mm-hmm. uh, mostly just Italian. And um, now our show is billed as a ballet. Um, and um, their people came to see a ballet. And, of course, there's dialogue with chorus line. And now I have a nine-minute monologue in English. <laughs> oh, <laughs> No music, no lights, no mirrors, just me and words. And um, I walk on stage and I start my monologue and um, all of a sudden I hear rustling in the audience. And then people are coughing and then they're sneezing and then they're starting to talk to each other and I'm hearing it just keeps getting a little louder and a little louder. and, And all of a sudden I'm hearing someone yell, Basta! Basta! And I'm who the heck is selling spaghetti during my mom? <laughs> oh, no. Man. My mother used to call pasta, basta, so that's what connected to my... And it kept getting like, basta, basta, and I was saying... After my monologue, I walked off stage, I was just furious, and I said to the stage manager, who the heck was selling... I was going to say another word. Who was selling spaghetti during my monologue? He said, basta means enough. 
stop. Uh, uh. <laughs> wow. Which, <laughs> which, I don't know. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer selling pasta? It was a nightmare. I thought they were <laughs> going to be throwing tomatoes and yeah. lettuce and well, in keeping every with the pasta part theme. of a sa- salad. <laughs> yeah, it's like a real actor's nightmare. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um Oh God, that was frightening that day. I imagine so. I imagine so. Because yeah, wow. no, it, it's one of those Basta. things. Basta. <laughs> I know my father. My father's born in born in uh, uh, Alessandria, northern Italy. He came here. I heard a lot of Basta in my childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, a lot, enough, a lot of Basta. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, did it ever happen again? How long were you there in Italy with the show? Uh, we were in Italy for a month. So it probably never happened again, right? Well, something else happened. Um, <laughs> it was a matinee day uh, in New York, and um, I walked on stage, and I just happened to glance down, and sitting right smack in the front row, in the center, was June Cleaver, oh, Cleaver's yeah. mom. Barbara oh, yeah. Billingsley. Barbara Billingsley. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I got so... Twisted that Beaver's mother was sitting in the front row. The Beaver, yeah. Exactly. I I could not remember the first word of my monologue. Oh man. And I stood there what was probably you know a minute, but I it felt like two hours, and I couldn't think of the mo- I couldn't I didn't know how to start, and I was him hawing around, and finally because Bobby Lapone used to go out and get changed for the next scene, and he didn't hear my monologue, and so he came back on. And he started talking to me, asking me questions, trying to find out where I was. Right. And uh, he finally got me back on track, and um, that was that. Uh, well, that was what, another scary. Now, what was <laughs> especially distracting was that Barbara Billingsley was selling pasta. At the time, <laughs> yes, which is was very, you know, her latter career uh, was, you know, had come to that. If you've that never point. forgotten your lines on stage when you're by yourself, where do you turn? Holy <laughs> mac! Um, thank you both scary. for joining us Absolutely. today. Absolutely, what a we, fascinating hour. Before we sign off, we want to remind people about body. And Soul, uh, that is going to be at Sterling's Upstairs at Patello's in Studio City at lovely 4349 Tahunga Avenue. And once again, for reservations, 818-754-8700. That's 818-754-8700. And uh, the dinner seating between 530 and 6 with a 7 o'clock showtime. Yes, indeed. Yes. And and uh, Mr. Williams will be headlining the room at some point, we hope, in 2012. Yes. Oh, we wonderful. Are, we will be talking Snag about that in the there. very near future. Yes, wonderful. sir. You got it. Indeed. Be doing it. All right. Absolutely. I'll Paul, thank you. You <laughs> what? You what? You have a story about June Cleaver? Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, no. I'll sit in the front dressed as Ward. I'll have a cardigan and a pipe. We'll really throw them. We'll just throw them. I, <laughs> I, get, I sweat when I think about that. <laughs> oh, so do I. <laughs> Thank you both. Pleasure to Absolutely. have you on the air. Thank you, Paul. Michael, it's, it's always great. a pleasure to share the microphones with you. Right and back we will at you. see you next week. Thank you. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio.